And once more, it is what's involved. And I've got a special guest for you uh, this time. And, and I'm going to preface this by saying that he's a special guest. And we're going to be talking about a subject I believe needs talking about a lot more. Uh, it's not traditionally what we do on the show, but then I'm not traditionally a traditionalist. So uh, without further ado, my special guest is Dion Wiggett. Hello, Dion. How are you? Hello, David. I'm well. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Now, Dion has uh, recently published a book called My Only Story. And that sounded great. Uh, and then it's followed up by The Hunt for a Serial Pedophile. And reading, just reading the title, My, my Blood Ran Cold. But we're going to get into this. We're going to dive a bit into the book and everything. But uh, I like to find out a little bit more about my guests. So, uh, Dion, tell me a little bit about yourself. Born, raised, kind of those things. David, I, uh, I live in Johannesburg now, as I have for most of the past 20 years. Um, but I grew up in Stellenbosch. I went to the Paul Roos Gymnasium, where I matriculated in 1997. Uh, then I studied in Stellenbosch. Then I briefly became a journalist when I moved to Joburg in 2001. But I didn't really enjoy it, so I um, fell in with a bad crowd in advertising and then spent 18 years being a copywriter. Um, I worked at Fantascaris, I worked in London for three years. Um, I, I had an interesting enough advertising career, but then, yes, and I, I don't want to, I don't mean to preempt your next question, but but all of that kind of was, was pulled into sharp relief when, in 2017 when my father died and um, it, it, it kind of destroyed most of who I, what I thought about my entire place in the world, and and it 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 made me rethink things that happened in Stellenbosch, which I now realise I fled from in <laughs> at the beginning of the new century. Um, so so essentially, I'm 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 a man of two parts, you can say, um, in the sense that my my life was was chugging along at a, a complicated but seemingly intact place until my father died and I started thinking back about my youth and and then yes from the age of 37 onwards I'm, I'm 41 now um, it it yes my, my past became much more problematic than I had realized okay so so let's let's talk a little bit about your past because this is this is obviously what led to the book um, my only story the hunt for a serial pedophile talk to me a bit about about this Dion I mean why why the book uh, you know is it is it something that you felt and I'm sure you did that this needed to be brought to the attention of uh, South Africa and in fact the world um, that's right David I so Anybody who's ever lost somebody who was very, very close to them, like a father, um, you you start rethinking things that happened in your youth, and um, you 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 think about things that you haven't thought about in many, many years. Um, in my case, I suddenly thought of a man called Willem Breitenbach, who I had no occasion to think of in decades, but he was a, a, a very 
central part of my life because he made it that way. Um, when I was in standard nine or grade 11, um, I was the editor of my school's um, school newspaper. And through the NASPERS National School Newspaper Project, I was introduced to this man who wanted to, took me under his wing and wanted to give me advice and, and wanted to be like, you know, the, I mean, this was 1996 and, you know, people could, you know, gay was not really a thing that people were yet. So, you know, here I am this grade 11 boy and I, I meet this older gay man who just became this, this role model to me. And, and of course, that is exactly how sexual grooming works. I had no idea of this at the time. And I had no idea that his plans for me were not to make me a better journalist, but to rape me when he could. And, and he managed that with great aplomb. And, and, but it's, it's something so, so hideous and something that, that, that so shakes you at the core that in order to keep you safe from this, your brain hides away the memory. It's a, it's a, it's a form of amnesia actually, um, because you, you literally can't cope with the notion of being raped. So therefore you couldn't have been raped. So therefore you weren't. And then one day when your entire past feels up for grabs, you, you start aligning the right insights with the right facts and with the right maturity. And suddenly you realize, wait a moment, I never wanted to be in a sexual relationship with this man twice my age and three times my weight. I, I, I was manipulated and groomed into that position. But a child cannot consent to sex. And the, the, it is not my fault that I was raped by him. Um, but then, then once I realized what had happened and it, I was shocked that this thing that had happened to me and that I kind of always knew, nonetheless, I had forgotten. So, so two things happened at that point. It, it became important to me to understand what Willem Breitenbach was doing then. So, I mean, this was beginning of 2018. Um, so I, you know, typed his name into the internet for the first time in two decades. And I could tell that he was still very much doing what he was doing in my time, which is befriending high school boys and turning him into their heroes and then having their way with them. So I wanted to stop that. I, I wanted to stop him doing that from other you know, to other boys. But at the same time, I wanted people to understand how this could even happen. Because we, David, you and I are regular healthy people. We don't think about sex with children because who would want to have sex with a child? So, so there's this whole murky netherworld of, of pedophilia and, and men who have sex with children. That, that people like us don't understand. However, we do need to understand it because that is how to keep our children safe. That is how to, how to keep these situations from just carrying on and on from year to year to year to year. So essentially, the, the point of the book and the podcast before it. The podcast was very much just about catching Willem Breitenbach and that we managed. But the the book is is much more 
a way of for me to figure out how this happens in the brains of people to to prevent other people from being in this situation and to to help parents read situations better and to spot pedophiles better because there are all kinds of ways in which you can keep an eye on these people. I mean, you, you you don't need to prove pedophilia. You just need to be able to recognize it so that you can keep children safe. So so that's really, to me, I mean, this is an incredibly long answer, David. Um, but that is essentially what the book is, is about to me in, in many ways, is to help people understand this murky world so that they never have to experience it for themselves. Because, you know, to me... Dion, as I'm speaking to you now, and, and I mean, you touched on a point there where you said that normal, healthy people don't even think about that. And and I think that's part of the problem that, that, and we have many problems in our society here in South Africa. Let's just get that out there. It, it, it is some of those, that, that's one of the problems though, is that we don't want to think that stuff like this happens. And the thing that, that I want to talk about uh, in just a little while um, when we come back from the break is I want to talk about what kind of a person, I mean, did you figure out, you know, what motivated uh, Willem Breitenbach? We need to talk about something like that. And I'd like to dive into that uh, in just a little bit when we come back. This is What's Involved. My special guest is Dion Wiggett, uh, author of My Only Story, The Hunt for a Serial Pedophile. We'll be back in just a bit. And we're back with Dion Wiggett. He is the author of My Only Story, The Hunt for a Serial Pedophile. Even talking about this, even saying that word and, and, and knowing this is being broadcast, people are going to go, uh-uh, no, not interested. Don't want to know about this story. And yet it is so important because when we talk about Willem Breitenbach, he wasn't this dark, shady, creepy little character that lived in a cave somewhere. I mean, this, this man was well known. That's right, yes, he was, uh, I mean, he spent almost 20 years at Nuspers Media 24. Uh, he was a digital entre entrepreneur. Um, and before that, he was a teacher. He, he taught for two years at the famous Grey College in Bloemfontein. Um, he was at another high school in Bloemfontein before then. Then he was caught by Grey College, um, you know, <laughs> molesting a boy there. Um, and Grey College decided that this will never, ever happen again, but only if the boy is in Grey College. So he, in, in the course of, of five days in August in 1990, which I also trace in the book, the, the gentlemen from Grey College washed their hands off the whole affair and got him moved to Willowmore, which is this tiny, incredibly depressing town in the eastern, in the rural, in the interior of the Eastern Cape. And... There he carried on doing what he does. Eventually he left Willowmore for Riversdale, um, a slightly larger town just, just, just down the road in the Western Cape, where he, where he was the, 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 the house father, the house master. And, and I mean, and in the book, I talked to guys from, from all three schools that were raped by Breitenbach. And, and that only takes us up to 1995. That's even before my cameo. So, and, and I mean, he, he, was a, he was a prominent man in the public eye. And, and this is very often what you find is, is these, these men hide in plain sight because they, they know the people are not really interested in knowing about pedophilia. They know that people are clueless as to 
what these plans entail because it just it just blows your mind that anybody could have a seduction plan for a kid. So very often we we talk about very prominent people um, who who hide in plain sight and we have terrific amount of problems and and in, in South Africa and in the world and I do also in the book make the point that I don't believe my issues are uniquely bad. I, however, and I, and I, and I, and I don't think the rape of men is, is worse or less worse than the rape of women. But, but we are not talking much about men being raped and we are not talking much about men raping boys. And it is a world that unfortunately I understand now and it is it is a platform over for which I can make a difference. It I can I can help keep children safe by teaching them and their parents and anybody who loves children and basic decency by extension in life how not to get involved in a in a situation that will will complicate your life for decades afterwards not just because of the physical stuff that happens, but because of the deception that lodges in your soul. Because the way to rape a child is to sexually groom them so that by the time in stage five or six, the time that things get sexual, you can have sex with a child and be confident that the child will tell nobody. I mean, that that is how the model works. You are, if I'm a pedophile, I would spot a child be aroused by them, just like you might spot a woman or a man of grown-up age that you might find arousing. But if you're a pedophile, you find that kid arousing. And then as I might go, oh, well, you know, I, I met this beautiful guy and I'm going to take him to dinner and be my sweetest, most charming self. And like, you know, the pedophile does the same thing and unleashes the weapons of seduction against somebody who is way too young to even comprehend that these are the levers of seduction. But then this, this, this relationship gets built out to the most, because the, the kid is overwhelmed by all of the stuff that's happening to him, but it's the special thing and it's our little secret. And like, you know, you've you ain't never had a friend like me. It's like the Robin Williams genie bottle coming out, uh, com, coming out of the bottle in Aladdin. I mean, it's like, it, it's it's unbelievable the 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 world that you get to see with this guy, and so then by the time that trousers end up around ankles, he is so much a part of your life, and you are so much so much of your own confidence is 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 invested in that person that. You, you think you are a willing participant because you have allowed yourself to get seduced. But what it uh, the lies your soul has to be told by both you and that person, that is what messes you up for years. Because that is what destroys intimacy and trust without quite knowing that that is what's going on. It is, it is like you have been to a war and come back with post-traumatic stress disorder, but you don't realize that you went to war in the first place. Yeah, now you see now that kind of that kind of analogy, I, I can I can certainly relate to. But Dion, the, the thing that that again, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this is is that uh, you know this happens 
in our country, very often, you know, people would go, oh, and they'll, they'll make disparaging remarks about certain kinds of people, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, if you're a young child, you don't even know, and you haven't even settled into your own sexuality yet. And somebody comes along and and literally, as you say, and and, and this is this is mental manipulation of the highest order. It, it's I'm struggling. I'm struggling to get my to get my head around this because mm-hmm. children are beautiful, special, wonderful gifts, um, and it's it's our duty as parents and as society to to let them grow up and be children and mature as they should to go on to lead a life that they choose for themselves, not to have this indelible mark imprinted on their on their psyches. Now. You you just you were saying you know this is your story and and you called it a cameo. So, am I to assume that you were one of a few or one of many that this man abused? I was one of hundreds. Um, hundreds. So, um, so yes. So um, by the end of the book, I have yeah, more than fifty men have confirmed their abuse to me or to. Um, I've been with News 24, who was my publishing partner in all of this. Um, and, and by just looking at the pattern, I mean, if more than 50 people admitted this to me, and I know of all the other people who refused to say anything to me, we can, we can confidently say that he has raped hundreds of men and young boys. And, and, and it's important to realize that it's not really that much about sexuality. The... I mean, Breitenbach has probably raped more straight boys than gay ones um, because it's teenage boys are, or teenagers are confused about everything anyway. So, and, and, and they see every time that they see everything that we do times 10. So if, because you've got no sense of context and, 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 and you know what it's like being a teenager. Your brain is just, I mean, if you're sad as a teenager, it is times 10. If you're excited, it is times 10. If you're embarrassed, it is times 10. So as from the point of view of, of the pedophile, the, you'd follow slightly different tricks seducing a gay boy or a straight boy. But, but it's not really about, rape is about power. It's not about sex. Um, and that is why you get straight men who rape gay bo- uh, straight men who rape boys, and you get gay men who rape girls. I mean, it's a it's much more complicated than sexuality. It's about power, and it's about the actual psychodynamic. It is about why you want to rape that that makes you rape certain certain people. So it's it's not that you know it it's not like. If you're a straight boy, that does not mean you can't be raped by a man. Quite the contrary. That said, the when I met Willem Breitenbach in 1996, South Africa was still a very, very different place, and gay was resoundingly unokay. There was no way to for a 16-year-old boy to be gay. I mean, it it it, it was not an option that was available. So even though I knew that I was gay, it was something that had to happen in secret anyway. So at that particular point in time, I, I, my, my meeting of Breitenbach certainly did play into that, it's all a secret anyway, your parents can't know anyway, kind of thing. And 
I think just practically speaking, it is an illustration of one of the consequences of homophobia when you are growing up. Because if you don't have the space to be gay in the correct way, then all of the ways are incorrect anyway. So then you're basically left at the mercy of predators because you have no way of distinguishing between wrong and right if all that is right is wrong anyway. So, so sexuality is much more is much more determined or is much greater influencer on the actual child than it is on the perpetrator. So I, I, I do think we need to, to spend considerable time disentangling the, the survivor or the victim's sexuality from what is, what is happening to him or her. My special guest is uh, Dion Wiggett. Dion, sure. Wow. Uh, Dion is, is the author of my only story, The Hunt for a Serial Pedophile. When we come back, We'll find out some more. And yeah, I'm still trying to untangle this kind of whole thing in my brain. But uh, when we come back, we'll talk some more about it. This is What's Involved. And we're back with my special guest, Dion Wiggett, author of My Only Story, The Hunt for a Serial Pedophile. Um, I think, Dion, the question that I wanted to ask you is is in terms of, of the journey that, that you've been on, because I cannot imagine... As I said, I mean, just what this would do to a child, regardless um, of the of their sexuality or undefined sexuality, uh, just the amount of shame and guilt and 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 the psychological manipulation must be terrible. But have you come across why people would do this? I mean, is it as a result of their own abuse? Yes. Um, so pretty much all all sexual abusers or sexual predators were abused themselves as children. However, the best statistics we have is about one in eight. So the, the important thing there is that seven out of eight survivors of sexual abuse become the opposite of abusers. We try to help, but you, I mean, I do think it is, you are deeply unlikely to find a sexual abuser who wasn't sexually abused. That is, that is, part of how that pathology works. But in the book, I, I go a lot into trying to understand that. And I, I use Breitenbach's own parents and his own childhood in Kronstadt to, to try to, to figure out that, that why does a problem like Willem Breitenbach exist? Um, and, and it's a lot to do with psychopathy and the way that psychopaths beget each other and the way with, with how children are raised. So I mean, it's a it's a it's quite a vast conversation that um, you know I and I don't want to take away people's joy of discovering it themselves in my book, my only story, also available in Africans as Inkler for Hull at bookstores nationwide and wherever you get your books. Um, if I don't do that, but my publisher, you know, they they listen out to these appearances and then send me emails if I don't like say things like that. So thank you for that. Um, well, well, the good news is the good news is to be honest. <laughs> At the end of the interview, we're going to go through the whole thing again and, and, and give out those details. So don't you worry about that. <laughs> I know you will. I'm just uh, uh, trying to be uh, an inauthentic self-publicist. <laughs> <laughs> That's, but now as we, as we talk about this is, is you know, there is, there is still a sense of, of humor about you and a sense of joyfulness. And, and sometimes in the book, you can be quite irreverent about certain things. 
is that part of who you are or is that part of a coping mechanism? It's um, Well, I mean, I, I, it's both, I would say. Um, I think much of things that are part of us are coping mechanisms. Um, I, I learned from my father that laughter helps and that if you can, you know, at least have quite a bleak, hum, bleak humoristic take on things, it, it is just my personality. I am pretty irreverent and... Look, these are these are difficult matters to talk about. So, you know, if we can just have a bit of a smile now and again, it it it's less harsh, it's less hard. And I mean, life's absurdities are interesting to me. And I the only way to get people to interact with this kind of thing is by doing it in a way that is so captivating that you can't put the book down. Um, and and that that was very much what what for me, I I had to keep it with a hint of lightness here and again because I can't be serious all the time. But also, if I want people to understand what it is that I'm talking about, then maybe I can write a page turner that reads like a detective story that get people to, despite themselves, be involved in something that because I mean it's. Part of the reason why people don't want to talk about this is because people don't want to talk about it. So if we make it more accessible and we, we make it more, I mean, exciting is a laden word, but 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 more evocative and, and at the same time, just a little bit lighter because people are more receptive to that. Then I, that this has been a very inelegant answer, um, but it, it, I, I can't just be serious all the time. It's just not who I am. Okay. Now, the question that, that I'm going to ask you is, surely, surely, and I mean, it is, it's an indication of the state of our society in general. I mean, when we talk gender equality and, and, and things like that, our society has a long way to go. Um, and, and specifically in terms of it being a male-dominated society. But now, surely there can't be that many Willem Breitenbachs out there. You are, as a South African child, way more likely to be raped than getting coronavirus. It is quite shocking how preponderous this is in our society. And once we start looking out for it, and I, I write in the book about this weird thing that happened, is the, the way that once I started investigating this one pedophile in a school, Somebody else would say to me, oh, I was also raped by my teacher, but it wasn't him, it was, it was this other guy. So as I've become like, you know, more engaged with it and a, and a little bit more known, people are telling me these stories about this guy who is pretty famous actually, and this guy who you've seen on television for decades now. And, and so I, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a, a second season of the podcast where I'm trying to, illustrate just how how many of these men there are. I mean, Willem Breitenbach is a colorful villain, but he's not a very interesting person. He is he is a, a sad and inelegant manifestation of a, a problem that has been with us forever. I'm fascinated and I could talk to you for hours, but we don't have hours. So when we come back, uh, let's talk a little bit about what you can do, because in, in the book, you talk about a universal pattern 
So uh, to, to help identify people with these tendencies, when we come back, let's talk a little bit about that. It is What's Involved, my special guest, uh, Dion Wiggett, author of My Only Story, The Hunt for a Serial Pedophile. It's, it's an amazing book, um, and there are, there are moments of, of, of lightness in there as well. But man alive, it is. It's a great book. It's very well written, but uh, the core of the book is, uh, for me, quite horrifying. Uh, we'll be back in just a bit with Dion. And we're back. It is what's involved with my special guest, uh, Dion Wiggett, my only story, the hunt for a serial pedophile. Dion, in the book, you talk about this pattern, this, this, this universal pattern. And whilst we may prefer not to think about it, is it worthwhile being aware of this pattern so we can help our children? David, if you get nothing from the book and if nobody gets anything from listening to this interview, other than it is possible to see these people, that would be a stunning result. The Remember that you can see when a guy fancies a girl or when a boy fancies another boy or whatever. And these people are genuinely infatuated with children. So when I... so. So when I see somebody with a child, I just think, oh, well, there's a guy with a child. I mean, like, you know, it's something you see. However, we need to look a little bit about the expression on that person's face and at the way they are looking at the child. Because we are used to seeing a child next to a man and then coming to a certain conclusion. But if you put your hand over the child, for instance, and you look at the man's expression, does he look horny? I mean, it's it's... It's, a, it's stuff as simple as that going, wait a moment, this person is, is expecting not to be detected. However, if I could make myself think of the person next to him as something that could be sexual, how might that lead me to interpret this guy differently? Um, I mean, I, I go <clears throat> at, at some length in the book about how we can be more aware of our surroundings and aware of how these men operate so that we can prevent them from getting to our children. And the point is that these things are hard to prove because you need a number of affidavits from people who were involved. However, in order to keep children safe, you don't have to be able to prove that somebody is a pedophile. You can just think, hmm, this guy looks dodgy to me and I'm not going to let him anywhere near my children. And, you know, hopefully also I'll have a bit of a lookout and just see, is, is this guy a teacher? I mean, because remember, these, <laughs> these men want to have access to children. So they tend to maneuver themselves into positions where they can have seemingly innocent access to children. They become teachers. They become sports coaches. They become religious leaders. Anything that will give them a seemingly legitimate way to get to the children that they are targeting. So unfortunately... As much, <clears throat> I'm sorry, as much as we all wish to pretend that pedophiles do not exist, if we carry on pretending that they do not exist, we'll just, we could end up finding out about their existence in the most shocking and unfortunate of ways. If you do not see a pedophile coming, he will see you and your children come. So in the way that we have read about how to keep our, our children safe from COVID or how to keep our children safe from online bullying. 
this is the greatest danger our children is facing, adults who want to have sex with them. So it, it really is imperative that we all understand how these people operate so that we do not get caught up in it and that people that we are in charge of do not get caught up in that. Yeah, I would agree with you 100% there. You know, we're, we're, we're heading towards wrapping up. And I mean, the book does cover all of this stuff in, in, in great detail. Would you say, though, Dion, we get that that by investigating this, by writing the book, um, for you personally, has it been a cathartic journey? Enormously so. When I knew that Willem Breitenbach was still carrying on grooming and raping boys and I was doing nothing about it, I felt complicit and, and I felt burdened with this knowledge. Um, and so it... it it became incredibly important to me to not only stop him, but also, also to expose him, to, to make an example of him. He's a, he's a media figure, and I met him through journalism, and he kept telling me to, you know, find new ways of telling stories. And, you know, it might have taken me over two decades, but I have found a different way of telling a story. And... Telling everybody in the process about Willem Breitenbach and saying that man is dangerous, that man wants to rape your children. He is on bail at the moment. The, the, the trial um, continue, well, the, the trial will come up at some point. Um, but he is stuck in his mother's house near Hattenbos. Everybody knows who he is. I mean, every other week I get a picture of somebody who, yeah, I, I could send a picture of somebody who saw him in the spa in Hattenbosch and, you know, <laughs> show me here he is having breakfast with his mom. And I mean, it's, at one point it's quite creepy, but at the other, it's like, you know, this guy is owned. That said, it is harder getting over a lifetime of self-hate than it is to write a book or two. So I, I very often feel better and I'm, I'm learning how to be kinder to myself and how to like myself a little bit more. But it will, it will take more than a book to change my life forever. I mean, it's, you can't undo what happened. You can just try to deal with it better. Hey, which leads me very nicely to, to my, my question, my next question, is, is what's next for Dion? Um, you mentioned you're working on a season two of, uh, of your podcast. So that's something. What else is there? Um, well, right now I'm, I'm deeply focused on, on season two, all new season, all new bullfrogs. And there's some other stuff coming up later this year. But like, you know, give a man a moment to do one thing at a time. <laughs> Dion, before we say goodbye and and I want to say thank you. Thank you for 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 being courageous enough uh to to put your hand up and say this far and no further to write a book like this because I mean we 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 have glossed over it a little bit but it it's not an easy book to write. Um so thank you for that. Where can people get hold of the book? All good bookstores, as you mentioned, uh, also available in Afrikaans. Uh, is it available online? Absolutely. Um, you can get it 
taken out loot and all of those. It's a published by Penguin Random House. It's South Africa's leading publisher. Wherever there are books, you'll find it. Fantastic stuff. And the podcast, is that available? Can we listen to it if we, if we haven't heard it yet? Always available. It is free wherever you get your podcasts. It's called My Only Story as well. Uh, there are four episodes, but read the book first and then listen to the podcast would be my recommendation. I mean, like, you know, like, so because that, it'll just give you such great background to the podcast. And I make money if you buy the book and I make no money if you listen to the podcast. So, I mean, <laughs> I'll, I'll just leave that moral predicament in the, in the hands of your audience. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about podcasting. For the most part, it's a labor of love. Uh, <laughs> I think I think my podcast is just over 150 episodes in yet to see a cent from it but uh hopefully we can change at least one life by doing it that's what we aim for anyway Dion if somebody needs to get hold of you personally uh is is there a way to do that uh, do you not encourage that uh of course people can get hold of me I um a little bit bad at getting back to people um, always because I get quite overwhelmed. Um, but you can contact me via myonlystory.org. And yes, and I and thank you for your message. And I'm so sorry if I don't respond to it. I really do try though. And, and I people have been so kind and so nice. And I, I really appreciate that so much. And I'm, I'm sorry for, I, I find it quite hard to respond to people saying that, I'm cool because, you know, what do you say? Oh, yes, I'll die the best. Uh, thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dion, thank you. Thank you. And uh, I'm looking forward to that uh, that uh, second season. Maybe we're going to need to have a chat about that when it comes out as well. Yeah, uh, it wraps so. it up. Though. Thank you, David. Wraps it up for our show. This is what's involved. My special guest, Dion Wiggett. Dion, may you go from strength to strength, mate. And thanks for chatting to us. Thanks, Steve. There we go, wrapping it up. Uh, get the book. It, 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 it could be all sorts of, of – I mean, I think it's like a detective story, but it's true life. Get the book, My Only Story, uh, The Hunt for a Serial Pedophile. As I said, that wraps it up for this uh, particular edition of What's Involved. To each and every one of you, thank you for listening.